Hey, and thanks for signing up for the Venom Podcast. It is April 1st, 2021. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and Reed. Hi. Here we are. I can't believe it that we will once again be reviewing Venom, as we do every week here on the Venom Podcast. We got that momentum. Smoke em if you got em. It's time for Venom. Venom was released in uh, 2018 uh, in a movie theater, back when people used to leave their homes and sit in an auditorium to take in movies. Reed, did you see this movie in a movie theater? Uh, I, Lee, 2018 is like, is like 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> before times. Before. I don't think I did. I believe I watched this on VOD. Yeah, I think I, I think I have watched it illegally and then I watched it after, <laughs> like, legit. But, like, yeah. it just makes sense while we're talking about this. It's just such a layered movie. That's right. I couldn't experience it in a theater with all the distractions I needed... Uh, t- time alone to take in Tom Hardy's performance. Yeah, you need, I have the, the you need world's that pause, worst. You need that pause yes. button to really break down all the scenes and catch all the fine details. Because <laughs> the movie moves, it's so fast. Yeah. It's so fast. It's unlike any other uh, uh, cinematic art. I've <laughs> I have the world's worst uh, synopsis for this movie. Before we get down to it, a failed reporter is bonded to an alien entity, one of many symbiotes who have invaded Earth. But the being takes a liking to Earth and decides to protect it. We have to get the uh, the elephant in the room uh, acknowledged here. Symbiote. Well, Does that bother you, the way I said that? It's a symbiote. <laughs> it's symbiote? Yeah. You hit the O? You hit the yote? Okay, yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've gone most of my life saying it's symbiote, and that's also how it was pronounced. I understand that's absolutely not how it's like. It's like how uh, people from England say aluminium, but still spell it the same way and stuff like that. <laughs> it's like you're, you're fundamentally pronouncing it wrong. Uh, I will refer to them as symbiotes uh, throughout most of this. I will try to hit the yote, though, just for you. Because um, that's correct, right? It is symbiote. I, I, I fucking I have no idea, dude. I watch Venom. I can't be that smart. Yeah, but then it's symbiotic. So you want to say symbiote. Ah, whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> Directed by Ruben Fleischer, director yes. of Zombieland. Yes. Zombieland Famed Double Tap. director of Zombieland. Yeah. A totally real director who exists. <laughs> Uh, director of Zombieland, Zombieland Double Tap, and the upcoming Uncharted movie, uh, the video game adaptation starring Tom Holland. Yeah. So it's all connected, you see. You see, Spider-Man. This, when, the, when the Fleischer name goes down on a script, Lee, that's the seal of fucking quality, okay? Yeah, lock it in. Yeah. Uh, of course, this means that he has a connection to both Woody Harrelson and Tom Holland, so... You know, get Tom Holland... Oh, yeah, oh... <laughs> I did. I didn't Do the, think about that till now. <laughs> oh, and Emma St- Emma Stone is uh, in the Zombieland movies as yeah, well. Fuck she it. Let's just let's Stacey merge in let's, a different iteration. Of let's Spider-Man. merge. The, let's merge the three Spider verses. Lee, we got the Venom verse. We got the, uh, excuse me, the Fleischer verse. The Fleischer verse. <laughs> we got <laughs> we got the Andrew Garfield Spider Man through Gwen Stacy, and then we got Tom. Mm-hmm. Like, we can make a movie out of this. Yeah, uh, we, we need some connection to... We'll think of it. All right. Uh, this was written by six different screenplay writers that we know of. <laughs> uh, at least six people are credited with having written words for this movie. Uh, and it's based on the comic book character Venom, created by Todd McFarlane and David... And I'm going to go, go extra Italian with the last name, Michelini. Uh, <laughs> this, movie, uh, of course it could be- this movie feels like it was written by an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tom Hardy stars as reporter Eddie Brock, the titular Venom, 
Let's get underway. Yeah. Uh, Sony Columbia Pictures. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just Any gonna... last thoughts before we get into this thing? No, once we I, start rolling, I man. was just going to say, goddamn, Tom Hardy. Uh, what an actor. Famed actor from Mad Max Fury Road from <laughs> Batman uh, Dark Knight Returns. He's from Inception, I think. Yeah, maybe? Dark Knight Rises, I believe. Yeah, he's in a bunch yeah. of really good movies, but like they were all just breadcrumbs leading to the end of the trail lee and that end of that trail was the venom trilogy deal that he signed for that's right and let's let's get it out of the way uh he seems to be playing eddie brock as a man who is perhaps on the spectrum there, there seems to be <laughs> maybe a, uh, i i there's like a touch of autism in this man's performance and it's like i think it's brilliant there's something uneasy about this character even before he is he is bonded with venom that makes him so wholesome and so endearing even though he does some pretty heinous things right out of the gate uh as as a reporter but yeah the, the choice of acting that tom hardy seems like he's uncomfortable in his own skin the entire movie <laughs> before there's an alien inside of his ass no, that's what uh, i'm trying to say lee i think we discussed this before but the rest of the movie outside of tom hardy is so plain and everybody is such, like, generic action-adventure movie actor person that Tom Hardy looked at this script and he went, oh, fuck, like, I, re- I gotta ham this up. I gotta, like, I gotta make this colorful at least. So I if think... You're in a, if you're in a scene with this guy, there's no acting left. He sucks up all the acting. Yeah, like, he's... he's and, uh... Yeah, yeah I, I think he I think he was, like, watching some, you know, Seinfeld. Uh, I think he was watching a little bit of some you know, classic 70s New York shows, and he's like, I gotta just be a bit of a caricature here. I gotta, you, yeah. know, you know, I give... You're saying he was inspired by Cosmo Kramer in his performance here? Because <laughs> I'm a... seeing what you're... I kind of see what you're, yeah, you're talking I, about. There's a little bit of Seinfeld in there. He's he's very animated. Uh, he's, yeah. He's going... He's hitting all the New York stereotypes, Lee. He's friendly to the homeless people. <laughs> he, That's right. Uh, he knows his local grocer by name. Yeah. Uh, he goes to a bodega, which is in of itself very New York City. Yeah, uh, he's a reporter. Yeah. You, like what other name the amount of movies where a person lives in New York and is a reporter? It's fucking ridiculous. Right, but of course, one of the plot, major plot points early on is that he has been ousted from New York City. Uh, and le- I mean, let's just get let's just oh, get right. there. This so, isn't even New York. What the fuck? No, it's in San Francisco. <laughs> you you've seen this movie ten fucking times. I've seen this movie have you like eleven you, times? And Have I, you considered watching this movie once, sober, <laughs> and paying attention? No, no. I, I knew, I know in the back of my head that this movie does not actually yeah. take place in New York. But, like, Venom's whole shtick is that he is the arch rival and counterpart of Spider-Man. But there's right. no fucking mention of Spider-Man in this movie. It's all throwing me off, Lee. Right. But Venom does have a connection uh, to San Francisco in the comics. And, of course, 16-bit video games, Separation Anxiety... And Maximum Carnage. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Sony's Columbia Pictures is... Uh, why would I be talking about video games on the fucking Venom podcast? What a waste <laughs> of time. Uh, Sony's Columbia Pictures, in association with Marvel and Tencent, present Venom. <laughs> we hear radio chatter as a uh, far too fu- futuristic-looking spacecraft is returning to Earth, having, quote-unquote, secured the samples. Something is wrong. 
Mayday to Mission Control. The shuttle burns up as it enters the Earth's atmosphere. It crashes seconds later in a forested region. They said where it was. It's somewhere in, like, like Malaysia or something. It's somewhere, like, in that area of the world. I didn't catch Non-America. Exactly yeah, not, not America. The jungle. Uh, time passes, and a rescue and recovery mission is underway. Men in hazmat suits swarmed, swarm the ruins shuttle. A large glass container containing an alien goo is lowered slowly from an opening on the ship. In a control room, we're introduced to Jenny Slate as Dr. Dora Skirth and Riz Ahmed as Carlton Drake. Fuck yeah. Riz, would you like to tell us a little bit about Carlton Drake? So, Carlton Drake, what can I say about this man? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> he, Carl- There's not a lot to say about him other than... Okay, this is this is the list of things we know about Carlton Drake. He is a pharmaceutical company owning billionaire. Yeah, he has created something called the Life Foundation. He is performing. Is, yeah, he's created yeah. the Life Foundation. He's performing unethical experiments. He has <laughs> well, a, that's not like a thing known about him, but <laughs> is definitely something about him. No, we yes. as the viewer know he has a god complex, uh, and he has the mm-hmm. he has the voice and temperament and. Uh, of like a very calm but angry Costco employee, like he never really raises his voice at any point in this movie, especially when like he should be very angry. Uh, <laughs> like this guy has no, this guy has nothing. He's fucking nothing. He's just like give me my sample, and then he gives a homeless man a biblical speech about Isaac or some shit. And then, like, and then he <laughs> ends. True. Then he all happens. Yeah. Then he ends the movie in white sneakers and like kills his entire staff for no fucking reason. Like, Reed, how could you spoil this movie? I'm, oh, people I'm, could be listening, I'm not so- knowing what Venom is, not knowing that Carlton Drake is a, is a, a bad guy. Yeah, you know, some people <laughs> just go out looking for the Venom podcast without actually having watched Venom. It's possible. That's right. I, I, yeah. Don't uh, put us in a box. What are your thoughts? Uh, Drake demands uh, status report. Uh, There was a breach, a distress call, and the crew has not been found. Only three of the four organisms have been recovered. Astronaut Jameson, which of course is an acknowledgement of J. Jonah Jameson's son, who is an astronaut who in most origin stories of Venom has something to do with bringing the symbiote or symbiote back to the Earth. Uh, Other than the actual comic book origin where where Spider-Man brings it back from... I believe the Secret Wars. Anyway, yes. uh, the cartoon origin that we are all familiar with from the '90s. Uh, it's brought back on an astronaut. Uh, he is discovered alive. He coughs once or twice and is escorted from the crash site in a, uh, crash site in an ambulance. Literally seconds later, Jameson awakens and murders the two paramedics in the ambulance with him. The ambulance crashes and rolls into the woods. One of the murdered paramedics exits the roof uh, of the downed ambulance and fast heals a leg wound. I think there's something sinister about the situation in this paramedic. <laughs> Title card, it's fucking Venom. 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 Venom, Venom, Michelle Williams plays Anne Weighing. She has a last name, although I don't know if it's ever mentioned in the movie. Uh, she awakens a sleeping Eddie Brock. Uh, played by the aforementioned uh, 5'9 heartthrob Tom Hardy. With a pillow strike, Anne is wearing a suit. <laughs> Uh, she has dispositions uh, in the Life Foundation case today. She has some connection to Carlton Drake. The Life Foundation is also the corporation. As I said, Carlton Drake is the CEO. Uh, boring. Boring, boring. <laughs> um, uh, Eddie has a meeting to attend. Uh, coffee and I love yous are exchanged. Establishing shots of San Francisco, not New York City. Eddie Brock gets a video highlight reel inset with him tearing up San Fran Street on a motorbike. 
the Eddie Brock Report appears to be a cable news show of some sort. So we get like a, a we get like a video package here of Eddie Brock and his it's accomplishments. A, a big, yeah. Be, yeah, he's he's a shit disturber. He's yeah, uh, he, but he, you know the, the impression I always got Leo is that he was running like a YouTube channel or some shit or like what or at least was a freelance he's a conspiracy where he, theorist. Yeah, <laughs> he's like Alex Jones. He's like oh the fucking frogs are turning us gay. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, the impression I always got was he just filmed, like, his own segment uh, and then gave them to, like, local news stations or some shit. And then, like, it shows... Here's the perplexing thing. It shows Tom Hardy... By the way, we're never going to refer to Eddie as Eddie. He's always just Tom Hardy. Okay, well, I'm going to refer to Eddie as Eddie a billion times in my uh, <laughs> thing here. But outside of that, so Tom, consider Tom Hardy and Tom and Eddie yeah, to be Tom, the same We, we see Tom character. Hardy in this montage driving around on his bike being reporter man but then he's being filmed by this crew and wouldn't it make way more sensely for tom hardy to be traveling with his film crew why why is he driving solo to all these fucking places uh well he he when he goes to interview drake and he's bankrolled right we learn that he's working for uh, a, a something some kind of organization uh with a really fancy building and he, so he's bankrolled by them to to do this and he does have a crew with him when he goes to interview drake in a little bit here <clears throat> so it doesn't really for a movie that characterizes the security guard at his work and a homeless lady and the lady at the bodega it is weird that his cameraman and his crew are not uh g given personalities or anything they are just there when they need to be like the uh, chicken and duck on well may maybe just... tom hardy just hates him because he keeps traveling to these places by himself that's right uh, so, yeah, it, there's a bit of production value. It, it's weird that the synopsis I read said that he's a failed reporter. Because if anything, he, that's not what he is. He's living in, a, like, he's living in downtown San Francisco. Uh, the fucking real estate around there, even to rent a condo, is probably upwards of $5,000. So him and Anne are doing pretty well for themselves. Pretty put together. Uh, I, was, I put here, Brock appears to be a, uh, to report on deep, uh, report deep into covered up news and the dirty laundry of big companies. Seems to be what gets him, what gets him off. <laughs> uh, uh, Eddie enters an expensive looking lobby Shouts out the security guard Who I believe is played by a actor from Sons of Anarchy Sure <laughs> uh, You'd have to check that You'd have to check on that uh, Eddie is told uh, he will have the opportunity to interview Carlton Drake by his superior Who I don't believe has ever given a name nope. uh, Drake wants to flop up uh, his space program After the recent crash And that's all Eddie is asked to do Why he decides to assign Eddie to this He's assignment. Like known wild card and like guy yes. who always asks the tough questions. Like and this building's fucking hugely. Like they have to have a hundred reporters there under their wing. But no, let's that could go do a fluff piece on, on Carlton Drake. Yeah, let's go send fucking Tom Hardy there and uh see what happens. Well, the movie has to happen. Yeah, the movie. Uh, so Eddie is visibly dis disappointed. He can't ask the questions he will undoubtedly want to. He's a crook, Eddie mutters. His boss guilt trips him and then tells him to do his fucking job. It's date night. Anne and Eddie sit uncomfortably close in a booth. Anne asks if Eddie will behave himself tomorrow. Anne reveals her uh, firm works for Drake uh, as her firm represents the Life Foundation. She does not work for him directly. Eddie keeps accusing her of this. Uh, she reveals this uh, to us, I guess, because Eddie would already know this. Uh, so it's a really weird thing if you were just, like, out on a date with your significant other, and then she told you what she did for a living. Yeah, that would be weird. Weird. Be a little strange. <laughs> uh, Eddie promises not to behave uh, and to, in fact, do his job. Anne reminds him that they don't want a repeat of the Daily Globe incident. 
Eddie was apparently kicked out of New York City. He was run out of town. Yeah, they're like, you can't live here, motherfucker. Yeah, you can't stay. Yeah. You gotta. You just have to go. Yeah. Uh, they begin making out at the booth, which is... Even weirder. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Come on. Uh, short motorboke, motorboke, a short motorbike ride home, and it's time to play uh, the fuck jams. Uh, there's some implied sex. It's now the middle of the night. Anne lays sleeping, undoubtedly satisfied by a night of lovemaking. Eddie, <laughs> Eddie awakens for a drink, scoops on Anne's laptop, what and within seconds begins reading her emails. <laughs> Like, uh, Anne says at the fucking date, like, don't go through my shit, drop it. What's the first thing Eddie does? And I bet you the sex was premeditated by Eddie. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get her in a place of comfort. I'm gonna do the security blanket method. I'm gonna, you know, she's gonna drop her guard when she least expects yeah. it. I'm just gonna fucking go onto this multi-million dollar lawyer's laptop and just, like, get all her shit. This is... This like brings into uh, into question Eddie's character. Obviously, we're to we're to believe that he's virtuous. It's a means to an end. He's trying to defend the innocent and uh, uncover the story of of evil. So ultimately, this man is is a hero. His methods, of course, are already showing us prior to anything else happening in this movie that he is a bit of an anti-hero no, and he's willing to do things that are. <laughs> I completely disagree about the anti-hero thing. Anti-hero is like is like well he. He knowingly fucks up his life by doing this. No, like this, but... <laughs> this never gets resolved. At the end of the movie, this moment still fucks up his life. Right, but like Magneto is like an anti-hero. He does bad things and good things. No, Tom Hardy does a lot of good things, but then he just shits on his girlfriend. Like, no, he's just kind of a douchebag. That's all it is. <laughs> so uh, he takes a really big chance here, leaving this to the night before his interview, and just he <laughs> happens to wake up and he's like, "Okay, I have a chance now." If, if he happened to have slept in, for example, and Anne was already getting ready for work and leaving, this this whole charade would have been a bit... Anyways, uh, he sees references to human trials and payouts in Anne's emails, and he narrows his brow. Yeah, why are these human trials being sent out in generic emails to, like, a third-strung lawyer like Anne? Also, if we're going to question Eddie's morals, we also have to talk about Anne. Yeah. I understand that she works for a firm, and that lawyers got a lawyer, you know, you got to... You gotta defend the side that's paying you. Uh, but if there's clear evidence that a pharmaceutical company is doing human trials that result in death or, or or otherwise incapacitation of these poor people and that they're being forced into this stuff, ah, man, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Carlton Drake speaks in front of a group of children who are touring a Life Foundation facility or museum or something. We learn that it's kind of all one place. Uh, the Life Foundation is like... An office building, a lab, a like huge, huge like paddock uh, on the on the coast. Yeah, they 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 house an entire security, well armed security team with dune buggies and everything. Yeah, well, it's got a space force. It's got like a space. They got rockets and stuff. So you need armed thugs. Yeah, to protect that kind of shit. To protect the space uh, doctors, parts. <laughs> doc, yeah, Doctor Skirth appears to escort the children away. Eddie and a cameraman walk and talk with Carlton Drake. Eddie talks up all of Drake's accomplishments, born to British parents, at 19 discovered a way to triple life expectancy of pancreatic cancer patients. At 24, he creates the Life Foundation, and then it's time to explore space. Drake believes space exploration is the most crucial way to solve the problems on Earth. His words. That he, This is something he literally says. Yeah, he's just like, oil, space. Yeah. <laughs> You're not thinking big enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Eddie turns hostile and begins to question Drake aggressively about his pharmaceutical company. Eddie alleges the foundation tests its drugs on human subjects and have amassed quite a body count. Drake calls it fake news. Eddie pushes further and starts mentioning the legal cases, even by name, that he stole from Anne's laptop. Drake plays dumb. Eddie produces the names again He's uh, that he swiped, as I said just now. Sorry, read my notes wrong. He is immediately swarmed by security guards and tossed off the premises. Oh, man, the acting range from Carlton Drake here. Just yeah. varied emotions from slightly annoyed to annoyed. Jo- jo- yeah, jovial, cocky, annoyed <laughs> to, yeah. Uh, it's, all in all, he, he handled that pressure like a champ from Eddie Brock. He's just like, oh, security, take right. him away. That's it. Call, called it fake news. Yeah. Uh, you know, d- totally discredited. So it's a, it's a uh, very important to note for later in the plot that this man is now well aware that this is Eddie Brock. Uh, being his resources, he probably, and the fact that we know what happens next with uh, Anne, he probably knows Eddie's location, he probably knows Eddie's loved ones, all this stuff. This is very important. Well, Drake has a chance to act here. So so the thing that's interesting is that this guy's got so many billions of dollars and he's got so many armed guards and no doubt he's got intelligence uh, and like spies and stuff working for him too, uh, that, that someone at the firm... Uh, that they use for the Life Foundation that has these sensitive emails is a live-in girlfriend of a fucking deep, uh, like, conspiracy reporter. <laughs> Seems a little little suspect, but again, Reed, the movie has to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Eddie is in his boss's office asking for forgiveness. Eddie says that Drake is evil. His boss demands to know Eddie's source. Eddie says it's just a hunch and doesn't give up Anne. Uh, his boss calls him a dumbass. Uh, before firing him and telling him to have a nice life. Eddie waits for Anne outside her work. She exits carrying a box of her shit. She's also been fired over what Eddie did. So Eddie defending her is meaningless now. He should have gone all the way. Why would he then defend <laughs> Anne? Eddie, just so in the moment... Just immediately thinks, goes back I can't, to his firm. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't say I stole this information from Anne, even though it could potentially save my job here, I'm still going to be worried about Anne, someone that I've compromised twice in the last 24 hours. Uh, so <laughs> Anne has been fired. She accuses Eddie of using her and gives him a ring back from her finger. And she's absolutely uh, right to do so. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and we didn't really know the the relationship status here. They seemed to be maybe engaged or there was like a promise ring. It was a longer relationship, let's say. Yeah. Uh, no time to waste. Smash cut to fancy lab parking lot. Trucks enter carrying the alien goo pods. Drake looks upon them and smiles. This entire scene is maybe four seconds long. <laughs> uh, our paramedic from the prologue, uh, zombie walks into a night market and eats a live eel. A man cooking nearby gives her shit about it. Her arm forms into a blade and cuts the man's jugular. Some, ro- uh, some jobbers circle the paramedic. She flexes and expels metal shards from her body, murdering uh, most people present. She approaches an old sweeping woman and deposits her goo in her it should be noted lee but we don't show the killing we got to keep this pg-13 for the kids you, right. you know it's, it's i i felt it was relatively violent I like don't, i don't really think I don't of the think so okay like i don't think of the violence and i don't think of the rating unless something takes me out of it and uh i feel for the most part i'm gonna give this movie a, the, the the credit it deserves in faking uh, it being a higher rating than it is. <laughs> you you want to see gore, apparently. <laughs> well, you know, a little bit of extra something. You know, it's a little bit like Lord of the Rings kind of action. Nothing wrong with that. Sure. Yeah. Implied violence. <laughs> it's done tastefully. 
Uh, six months later, six months later, half a year later, Dr. Skirth and Drake are conducting tests, seeing if they can get this alien goo to bond Wait, this is with a six white months rabbit. later? This is six months so later. So Eddie is still drinking at bars, acting like he's a fucking loser six months after the fact? I'm telling you that Eddie is well off. Like, to call him a failed reporter is completely false. Right. This is no, a man but, who, like, the yeah. next scene we see of Eddie Brock, he's at the bar, and he's like, Hey, bartender, do you ever think your life's some big joke? You're like, Eddie, it's been, like, six fucking months, and you have a big apartment. Like, get over it, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Move on. Move on, guy. Uh... <laughs> The, uh, the symbiote, or symbiote, seems to take to the rabbit. Skirth explains uh, that it's like an organ transplant, and it won't work with everyone. She explains this to us, because Drake would undo- undoubtedly already know this, as they've been conducting tests for six months. <laughs> Drake says uh, she's at the forefront of scientific breakthrough. It's time to begin human trials. Uh, Skirth is visibly shaken by this idea. Her, uh, he then threatens her livelihood and asks about her kids, Does, and then leaves. Lee, doesn't this all make way more sense if this was like a week after... Like Eddie broke no, up with six, Anne. No, it's six months later. Right, but six if it later. was just a week after, it would explain well, why. Well, then Anne, it would expl- Anne moved on really quickly. If that's the case, well, yeah, sure, fuck it. And then, but it makes sense for Eddie because he's still like this depressed man thing. And then it makes sense for Carlton Drake, who's a psychopath who wants to go to human trials after a week. It's still bad to go after six months. Don't get me wrong, but it would have been even more bad if it was just after a week. Eddie sits drinking in a bar. Carlton Drake appears on the TV. Eddie mouths off. A hipster sitting near him recognizes Eddie. Eddie drunk walks home. I used to be Eddie Brock. (laughs) (laughs) Took my job. (laughs) My my health. (laughs) He's like, oh, Uh, hey, homeless lady, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) He shouts out a homeless woman. Uh, this, This woman is like central casting definition of a homeless woman. Like, we need a homeless woman. They probably had to tell her not to do a Cockney accent as she sat. She's covered in, like, soot or, like, general homeless dirt. Uh, she griffs Eddie for a newspaper, having bought out the nearby newsstand. This might be uh, the most unbelievable part of the entire movie. Uh, Eddie enters a bodega. So so she says $5, $5 for a newspaper or $1 for a newspaper and I sing for you. Eddie then gives her 20 bucks. Which a failed reporter who's been out of work for six months would not be doing. Right, ex- but, uh, we, especially yeah. probably because he's like, he has $20 to fuel your drug addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Eddie subscribes to the, like, Fallout uh, uh, karma system. Where it's just like, you do some heinous shit to your girlfriend, but then you give a homeless person a bunch of purified water and, like, ultimately <laughs> the universe evens out. Right, but if you're doing it for so- selfish reasons, it doesn't count, Lee. Well, yeah, but the game doesn't know that. <laughs> the game just tells you you're good. You're a good man, Eddie Brock. All, you mean the movie? Yeah, the game, the movie, whatever. <laughs> Eddie enters the bodega where the clerk lady tells him that he looks like shit. Excuse me, asks Eddie. She tells him to meditate like she showed him. She curses him in her native language as Eddie wanders to the back of the store. A short, gravel-voiced thug wanders in and robs the register. Eddie hides during the robbery before sheepishly coming to the counter with his purchase. Life hurts, Eddie, says the clerk. Eddie arrives home to his apartment. <laughs> this fucking beautiful... This dude's been out of a job for six months. He's drinking at bars. He's handing out $20 bills to homeless people. And he lives yeah. in a big studio apartment in the middle of downtown San Francisco. Fuck off, movie. <laughs> uh, well, like, that's the thing. is like The, the apartment is like supposed to be kind of... Shit. Not dingy, but like his across-the-hall the, the neighbor... It's like a metalhead burnout. 
It's like, that guy can't afford this fucking apartment he's sitting in. Right, it's, I don't even know how Eddie does it. It has and like, beautiful painted white doors. It has a big <laughs> walk-in kitchen with an island. Money, you fix the damn door. Yeah, like, Peter Parker's apartment was a piece of shit. That was, like, beige and the wallpaper was coming off and shit. Fucking Eddie Brock has hardwood floors. Like, what is this? Moving on. Yeah, I don't know, man. His toilet, though. Uh, Eddie <laughs> arrives home to his apartment. Uh, his across-the-hall neighbor is making out with a chick in the hall. Uh, he waters a dying plant in his own apartment and grabs a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Eddie <laughs> kicks back in his apartment, searching the help-wanted ads and laying on his floor to meditate. His moment of zen is interrupted by his across-the-hall neighbor playing a sick guitar solo. Carlton Drake gives a speech to his lab techs. It's time to start human trials. A nervous man is escorted into a sealed room with a symbiote canister. There's no need to be frightened, Isaac, says Drake, before he starts quoting scripture. I don't know if he heard that the volunteer's name was Isaac and had this prepared, or that learning at this moment that this guy's name was Isaac, he cut a promo on the spot. No, Either way. I think he has like a playbook of all biblical references that he could possibly yeah. break out at any given Does moment. Does he have a biblical name? Oh, great. And, <laughs> I'm, and I'm questioning, Lee, if he's trying to impress the homeless man he's about to kill, or if he's trying to impress his staff. And we don't know how many of these speeches he's given. Does he give one to each new homeless person? He gives a number of speeches throughout the movie. Uh, and it seems like he's only out to impress himself. Like, because human life to him is is nothing. He he <laughs> readily kills his own staff and... and yeah, like some, yeah. some guy comes in and he gives him the miracle and ice speech. This is your time. It's designing the pancreatic cancer uh, elongator or whatever the fuck he did seems to be a means to an end to, to generate billions of dollars. He doesn't... It's strange that the... That he couldn't have just created something that had nothing to do with human life. But then the Life Foundation, it all rhymes, you see. It's like poetry. Yeah. Uh, his rant ends with him saying God has abandoned them. <laughs> and that he and Isaac will save mankind. <laughs> uh, they, like, touch hands through the glass. Like, he puts his hand on the glass and the other guy puts his hand on the glass. He's like, homeless, looks confused yeah, about it. Homeless drug addict is like, what the fuck is this guy saying? Are you going to fuck me now? What's happening? <laughs> when do uh, the I get the $500? <laughs> do I get my $500 now? Or... <laughs> Uh, and the alien goo crawls towards Isaac and up into his body. It absorbs into his shirt and disappears. Vitals are steady, says a lab tech. Where did it go, ponders Isaac. Before his body starts to contort horribly, Isaac falls to the ground dead. The symbiote exits his body. Drake calls for the next volunteer. Prepares his next speech. Well, we don't get a next speech because the, the movie can't stop for a fucking second. <laughs> we are back on the street. And Eddie is able to secure a newspaper as the homeless woman from earlier has disappeared. Eddie spills his guts to nobody in particular before outing a spying Doric skirth inside the bodega. Uh, she's been looking to speak to him. She confirms everything he accused Drake of, including using live, misled, or even homeless as test subjects. You know, it's interesting uh, that you pointed out that he was being really subtle and he point and he's like, oh, you're not really good at hiding. I did it forever, right? Yeah. Think about yes. the scene later where he's at the facility. No stealth at all from this fucking guy. Like, 
No, he's very confident. That's what, like, there's something wrong with him. I don't know. And when I say wrong, I mean there's something, it's just something off. It's something that's not acknowledged He in does the, movie. the exact opposite of what everybody tells him to do. <laughs> like, yeah, he's got some kind of complex. Like, something's wrong with, with Eddie Brock. And, uh, anyways. Uh, Eddie asks her if she's uh, seen people die. She says yes. He takes her aside and explains his life was ruined by Drake. That's not true. His life was ruined by him. Uh, he should be afraid, and he, she, she should go to the cops. Uh, Eddie says he is done with this shit and marches away. Eddie stands on the street outside Anne's apartment. He peers through the window at her cat. That is a actual cat. He's not looking at her pussy or anything like that. Uh, as Anne wow. uh, and her new lover, Dan, pull up. Dan and Eddie shake hands. Dan explains he's a fan of Eddie's work. Anne says, oh yeah? She's taken aback by this. I was one of them. I don't know what she, like, hit projects of Eddie's. Anyways, Dan seems very jovial and like, to be a very nice guy. Yeah, Dan's uh, Dan excuses fella. himself politely uh, so that Anne and Eddie can catch up. So, like, this goes on in the movie, but the character of Dan is such a flipped cliche that, like, the, the new boyfriend pulls up and, like, oh man, Eddie's got to hate his guts. But from Go, this guy is perfectly... Perfectly friendly, perfectly polite. And him and Eddie uh, get along. <laughs> yeah, and excuses himself. Like, could you imagine you pull up uh, to your to your girlfriend's apartment and her ex boyfriend is standing on the curb, and you have enough like wherewithal and like trust in your your girlfriend that you're just like, I'm gonna head upstairs and like you know start fluffing myself up so we can have a raucous night of sex, and you catch up with your ex, and I'll be up here uh, or whatever Dan was doing. Um, is is very interesting, and then it, it they they evolve this, and it's maybe one of the best parts of the movie. Let's be honest. Yeah, it is. Uh, anyways, uh, he shakes Eddie's hand once more and enters Anne's apartment. Eddie questions Anne about Dan. He's a surgeon and a nice guy, evidently. Anne tries to walk away. Eddie tries to keep the small talk going. He misses her and wonders if there's still a way back. Oh, Eddie. Oh, Eddie. <laughs> dude, she's literally <laughs> living with another guy right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he's taller than you. Uh, Anne puts the situation on Eddie, not his job or Drake. It's Eddie who betrayed her trust. Eddie wanders the streets of San Francisco. He stands on the Golden Gate Bridge, pondering life. In his hand, the business card of one Dora Skirth. He calls her. Talk to me. Skirth and Eddie arrive at the Life Foundation facility security gate. Inside the fancy parking garage from earlier, Dora Skirth spills some exposition on Drake. He's scouting space. Okay, listen, I gotta take this slow, because this is what Drake is trying to do. And it's very clear that this will be more than a one-part podcast. (laughs) Inside the fancy parking garage from earlier, Doris Skirth spills some exposition on Drake. He's scouting space for real estate with his space shuttles. They recently discovered a comet on one of their expeditions that was teeming with living organisms. Eddie mocks their discovery of aliens. Skirth explains the concept of symbiotes and hosts and Drake's plan to merge the species in order to live in space. Are you following? That, that's perfectly reasonable, Lee. Okay, so he's found alien organisms. He has decided, or through the six months of testing, they have figured out that these alien organisms... Like, on this... And now you you thought that they had been created by the Life Foundation. No, 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 I never that, said that. Okay. No, I always was just like, dude, like, it... Like, the throwaway line is fine, but it would have been nice to have more than one line explaining where the fuck these symbiotes came from, or like they. Ed- all you need to know is that they hitched a ride on a comet, and that they we were in, we intercepted. Yeah, because at the beginning, Drake's just like, "Give me my samples," and you're like, "Well, that implies that you've had them before." 
<laughs> well, no, because they recovered them from the comet, and he knows about them, right. so they're his samples. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. That, that, this is even the <laughs> wrong part of the movie. Don't worry. Well, because then it doesn't make sense for the villain symbiote to want to have merged with Drake and then hitch a rocket back to their home planet. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and Lee, also, I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we get there, when we get there, when Venom explains why Riot's here, yeah, like it's we do. It's an ADR line. They don't even show him fucking talking. Uh, <laughs> they added it later yeah, to make it make sense. Yeah, they're like, oh shit, we didn't explain the fucking villain's motives. Damn it. Um, I don't know. I don't know scientists, Lee, but I think hmm. if you found an extraterrestrial species, the first ever. That it would take more right. than six months of research before you're like, let's let's do this thing. Let's spread it on a piece of piece of toast. Like, it took it longer than that to make the COVID <laughs> vaccine for fuck's sakes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Come on, Drake. Uh, a security guard. Well, he's no, because COVID. Drake. COVID is not Drake's problem. Drake's trying to. Th- Drake wants to live light years away from Earth with an alien. Yeah, he only needs. He's six, like, that's yeah, the future. He only needs six months to do that. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, security guard approaches and Skirth misdirects him, leaving Eddie to do- explore the lab alone. Eddie wanders the Wait, dark lab. Lily, she says explicitly, stay here and do not touch anything. Wh- right. What is the first thing Tom Hardy does? He leaves and he touches everything. That's right. He doesn't just touch shit. He starts breaking shit pretty shortly here. Uh, he sees the remains of several human tests. One of the hosts begins screaming and tapping the glass. It's the homeless woman with the newspapers uh, from earlier. Foreshadowing. Uh, and her name is Maria, by the way. Uh, she asks Eddie for help. He manages to open the door. Maria comes flying out of the chamber at him, clawing and puking a symbiote onto him. <laughs> Security has arrived. Eddie performs several superhuman feats as he runs from the facility on foot. I love how... In the nearby woods. I love how yeah, he sorry. breaks down the glass to rescue Maria, and as soon as she so- shows signs of not moving and the alarm goes off, Tom Hardy's like, ah, fuck it, fuck Maria, I'm leaving. And that's exactly... <laughs> She's homeless after all. She <laughs> yeah. uh, so... He's able to break into this cell using, like, a fire extinguisher or something of the sort. It's very clear that if if the symbiote in Maria is Venom, then can't, can't, can't Venom just make a muscly arm and punch the uh, Maybe off? they're not compatible enough where Venom can manifest. That's the right answer. That's the right answer to my question. <laughs> but it's still fucking stupid. <laughs> anyway, uh... Security has arrived. He performs the superhuman feats and they end up in the woods, which is one of eight locations in this movie. He is flanked and surrounded by the guards in their cool off-road vehicles. Not The, the off-road vehicles are uh, centered on the screen in the same way the Paps Blue Ribbons were in the earlier scene. Yeah. Uh, Eddie disappears. The camera pans to reveal that he is at the top of a very tall tree. Yep. Smash cut. Eddie arrives back at his apartment. Yeah, so He's frantically trying to call Skirth. Yeah, so Lee, after this yes. man breaks into a multi-billion dollar facility... With armed security guards and security cameras. Ability he was already at, mind you, that we talked about earlier. Where Carlton Drake is well aware of his presence. What's the first thing that Tom Hardy does after he's done there breaking all their shit and whatever? He fucking... He he goes home and he fucking calls his contact on his cell phone. And he says, "I think a man who kills homeless people and his own employees doesn't have his employees' phones bugged." <laughs> yeah, um, and, and he but says, also read. He says, "Like, I, thank I, you for letting me break in there." Bye. Later in the movie, uh, he 
he is putting the the screws to Jenna Slate, Doris Girth, and he is telling her she needs to tell him who was in the facility. He doesn't have security cameras? Yeah, like... He doesn't have... The, what about, like, the 60 guards that saw his face and were like, man, that was that Eddie Brock guy that was here, like, six months ago. Anyways, maybe they had their cameras turned off, like cops, because they were about to fucking kill a man. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie arrives back at his apartment. He calls Skirth. Something is off with Eddie. <laughs> and I, I put it in all caps and I put like quotations around it because it's it's not really doing the performance justice to say that something is off with Eddie. Uh, but he tries to drink a beer. It's gross. He chugs a glass of water. They're like, do your like man. They're like, do your best alone impression while you eat this food. By the way. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, more. He eats an entire bag of frozen tater tots before digging into a mostly eaten chicken and chicken out of his garbage. He pukes into a disgustingly dirty toilet while brushing his teeth afterwards. Venom appears in the mirror. Eddie screams and falls back into the tub unconscious. Girl scream. He's like, oh. Yeah, he does like a, he's like a Homer Simpson. Yeah, it's like a, ah. It's, uh, then he just falls backwards. Uh, Venom appears in the mirror. This is something I'm going to refer to as Venom Face or Venom Eyes. This is when, as the audience, uh, that a character looks directly at the camera and either flashes some Venom Eyes or a full Venom Face. If I refer to that, that's what that is. It's not. It's sometimes something that is physically happening, something that is physically appearing. Otherwise, it's something that's implied or happening in a reflection. This happens multiple times in the movie. I just have to... There's a legend here. This is what this means. Uh, Skirth... Some other doctors and Drake stand over the corpse of Maria. The symbiote is gone. One of the other volunteers appears to be alive and well. Drake is happy about this. He fires the security guards on watch and then barks an order to them. Find my symbiote. Well, he's like, you're fired. Find my symbiote. And it's like, So he'll kill Eddie Brock for being witness to these experiments, but he'll just fire the person that's looking at the dead body. Yeah, that guy just just gets to collect like unemployment insurance yeah, and get a job. He's trustworthy. At, uh, Carlton Drake is just like, ah, fuck it, I trust him, dude. <laughs> yeah, these guys are good. <laughs> I didn't even think about this before we started this fucking podcast, and we're like coming up with more plot holes than I ever thought there was. It's well, it's hardly a plot hole when the movie's moving so quickly <laughs> that you can't really think about these things until you really sit and, and pull yeah, them apart. Do not right? think, like, just the, consume. <laughs> the The idea that the bad guy is trying to get these symbiotes to to bond with humans so he can then bond other symbiotes with other humans and therefore sell real estate on other planets so the rich bourgeoisie can leave planet earth like that's is that's big brain timely like you're like the real estate market on earth is too saturated like (laughs) (laughs) the chinese are buying up everything you know what the chinese aren't buying up deep space deep fucking space i'm gonna be the first one there Man, uh, and also, uh, we should note really quick that Venom himself is also voiced by Tom Hardy. Right. What, yes. Actual range. Not bullshitting this time. <laughs> no. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, Eddie awakens in his apartment and begins scrolling through the photos he took on his phone. At an airport, the old lady from the night market, who is also host to a symbiote, arrives and follows a woman into the bathroom. What a perv. Yeah. <clears throat> Eddie is on the street, desperate to talk to Anne. He finds her in a fancy seafood restaurant. He begins <laughs> ranting at Anne about breaking into the Life Foundation. He's acting crazy and begins eating food off He's of her plate. He's acting brilliantly, Lee. This is the most well-acted so- scene. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> the- Sorry, he is... The emotion <laughs> is, is manic. He's, uh... 
It's, 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 oh boy. Uh, he starts eating seafood off people's plates. He exclaims, no good, this is dead. Uh, Anne's boyfriend, Surgeon Dan, looks genuinely concerned and is trying to help Eddie in his, his moment. Lee, this seems like the one scene in the movie where Tom Hardy was on his knees begging Flesher or whatever his name is. Let me just try something, okay? Let me just, let me just see let me just work the room yeah. here. And then, like, uh, this was, like, this was, like, the one for you, Tom, <laughs> was this scene. <laughs> the Mater D says she'll call the cops. Dan vouches for Eddie, saying that he's sick and that it's his patient and that he needs an ambulance. Uh, the, the, the entire plot of the movie could have taken a turn if Eddie ends up going to the police with the police here. And then Venom has, like, a Terminator-esque moment where he kills all the cops and busts out of the yeah, police Like department. an actual anti-hero. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, Eddie crawls into the lobster tank and begins eating live lobsters. Yes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is all good. All right. We're gonna have to wrap it up on part one here, uh, but let's let's get <laughs> let's get through these next couple scenes. Uh, Eddie comes to. He's laying in an MRI machine. Dan had to sedate him and is not present. The MRI fires up and Eddie begins convulsing wildly. The symbiote looking like it may burst through his skin. Eddie and Dan walk through the hospital. Dan assures Eddie that it's not uncommon to freak out in an MRI. An old woman and her dog greet Dan, and the dog is losing it at Eddie. Dan sends Eddie home. Skirth is visited by thugs. <laughs> that seems like a very... That's the next scene. Skirth, is, Skirth comes home, and there's thugs there. And that's, that's it. That's it. She uh, dead. Drake and some lab techs... I'm sorry. She dead. That's it. <laughs> not yet. Wait, isn't she dead? Uh, Drake and some lab techs are running tests on the current successful host volunteer. They blast him with sound and find that the symbiote reacts negatively to it over a certain decibel range. Skirth is escorted into the scene and she apologizes to Drake. This is one of four times in this movie that is told uh, that that sound is uh, a weakness of the symbiote. Um, we're going to call it there. Uh, the next scene... Eddie is on a cable car going home, and the symbiote is talking to him, telling him he's hungry. We didn't even get to the actual reveal of Venom yet. Um, please stay tuned to other Tits of the Iceberg Universe podcasts. Whether we wrap this thing up in part two on the new Tits of the Iceberg podcast next week, Tuesday, or continue on the regular Venom podcast day of Thursdays <laughs> uh, will be decided. But uh, we'll let you know on either one of those podcasts where to find the rest. And then eventually upload both parts as a, uh, uh, a compilation. So thank you for joining us. At Iceberg Podcast is our... Uh, shit. Our, tw- our Twitter handle. LeeAtTitsyIceberg.com is my email. Send us questions, topics, anything you think will be interesting. For myself, Lee, and for Reed, thanks for tuning in to the Venom Podcast. Yeah, NMM, play us out. Oh, Jesus!